Who is the Son of Man, and why is this important? In Matthew 26, when Jesus has been betrayed and brought to the high priest, the high priest stands up and says to Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? And Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Almighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and slapped him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Okay, this part of the story in Matthew 26 makes no sense if Son of Man isn't referring to something bigger than just, let's say, a humble term that Jesus is using. At the height, you know, one of the most important moments in Christ's life, he's coming before the Jewish religious authorities and he's coming before the high priest, Caiaphas, who's trying to condemn Jesus. And they have these false witnesses come up and say, this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days, etc." But then we have the high priest himself questioning Jesus, ready to trap him and destroy him. And he says, are you not going to answer? But Jesus remains silent. And it's only when Caiaphas invokes an oath and he swears and he says, now I adjure you by the living God. You have to tell us plainly, are you the Messiah, the son of God? And Jesus says, you have said so, which is a Hebrew saying for you got it right, basically. Yes. So he says, yes. I say to you, from now on, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. So he says, yes. And then he makes this reference to the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then what's the high priest's reaction? Oh, wow. Son of man. That's a really humble thing. No, he tears his clothes. Now this may seem a little strange. It's like, well, why rend your, you know, tear your clothes or whatever, but This is the high priest we're talking about. If you go back to Exodus, uh, in the book of Exodus, Exodus 28, the entire chapter of 28 is basically the vestment that the high priest is meant to wear. And he tells it to Aaron, uh, who's the head of the Levites, the Levitical priests. And it is a, a long chapter all about the garment which he's supposed to wear. These are the garments which they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, a girdle. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brothers and his sons to serve me as priest. They shall receive gold, blue, purple, scarlet, an ephod of gold and blue, two shoulder pieces attached. I mean, I highly recommend you guys like read this part because it's it's crazy. The The amount of work that it would have gone into to make the high priest garment would have been intense. I mean, it's the jewels, the embroidery. It's it's a seamless garment. It's to be put over the high priest, and um, and you shall make the robe of the ephod all blue. On his skirts, you shall make the pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet stuff in its skirts. Make a plate of pure gold and engrave it. Um. And all these things are are for Aaron and for the ministers. And in verse 32, it says, 
that it shall have an opening for the head with a woven binding around the opening, like the opening in a garment, that it may not be torn. It's not supposed to be torn. And if you go to Leviticus 10, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, um, you know, Moses summons Mishael, Elzapen, sons of Aaron, and basically some, some people have died. And Moses says to Aaron and his sons, Eliezer and Ithamar, do not let your hair become unkept and do not tear your garments or you will die. And the Lord will be angry with the whole community. So rending your garments is also a, a sign of mourning. Um, and then finally, uh, in first Kings, we have, uh, in first Kings, this is 11 verse 29. We have about that time Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem and Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way wearing a new cloak. The two of them were alone in the country and Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into 12 pieces. And then he said to Jeroboam, take 10 pieces for yourself. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, see, I am going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. So the tearing of the garment of the prophet is to show that uh, you know, Israel's going to be split like a garment. There's tons of other references. But when <laughs> when Caiaphas tears his garment, this isn't just like, oh, he ripped like a white shirt off. This is the high priest garment that's like enormously hard to make, has all these jewels on it, and is a sh- is basically a sign of ultimate um, displeasure and ultimate, you know, rejection. So, why does the high priest react? Basically, this is the most intense reaction the high priest could possibly make to anything Jesus would say. So to those people who say son of man, it's just like, it's just a humble phrase. They're wrong. I mean, the high priest understands it. He says, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you've heard his blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death. And then they understand and they say, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Okay. Son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. This is a reference to the book of Daniel, specifically Daniel 7. So in Daniel 7, we have the vision of four beasts. Uh, so if you remember, Daniel is a prophet who's living in Babylon, in Babylonian captivity, and God gives him these visions of things that are to come. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while he lay in bed. So he saw in his visions four great beasts that came up out of the sea different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand upon two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and lo, another, like a leopard, with four wings on the back, on a bird of its back. The four wings of a bird on its back. (laughs) And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrible and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured in broken pieces and stamped the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. 
Okay, so he has this crazy vision of four beasts coming up out of the sea. One was like a lion and had eagle's wings, and it was able to stand up like a man. Another beast was like a bear. It was raised up on one side, had three ribs in its mouth. It devoured much. After this, I looked in another, a leopard with four wings of a bird on the back. So pretty fast. And then you have this exceedingly terrible beast that's not even given a, a name of like an animal. It's just this huge beast with iron teeth. Okay. So the four beasts, the visions of the four beasts is visions regarding the four kingdoms that are going to come. And I'll, you know, this, this becomes pertinent, pertinent in Daniel 9. But if you remember, after the Davidic kingdom is split between the northern tribes and the southern tribes, the uh, the northern tribes get deported by the Assyrians, and the southern tribes get deported by the Babylonians. So the Babylonians are meant to represent this first beast. So the first beast is the one we have. Um, the first one was like a lion and had eagle's wings. So we have the stately lion, strong, it had eagle's wings, so it spreads very quickly. And then it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand upon two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. Um, you know, interpreting this historically, if Babylon is meant to be this first beast, and Daniel would have been living within this kingdom um, imagery here, and this first beast of Babylon, uh, it, that's what happened. The Babylonian empire spread very rapidly, and after that, you have kind of the Babylonian golden age. Um the you have all this great learning and writing and this flourishing in Babylon. But unfortunately, another beast, a second one like a bear, comes up. It had three ribs in its mouth between its its teeth. It was told, Arise, devour much flesh. This is the Medo-Persian Empire, the Persians which spread all the way almost to Greece, and that's where we have uh, you know, the Battle of Marathon and, and all this type of stuff. The Persians spread all over. They were very vicious, more vicious than the Babylonians. Um, they didn't have the same kind of golden age Babylonian empire times. Uh, the Persians were definitely a war machine uh, for sure. And then we have a third beast, which is like a leopard, and it has four wings of a bird on its back. And so, you know, you have this very, very fast animal <laughs> and ferocious as well, and four wings on its back, and it has four heads. Okay. And this is meant to represent the Greek empires. So you have Greece, you know, very quickly conquering, you know, all the, Alexander gets all the way even to India before he, you know, dies. Uh, but he conquers uh, tons. And then the the kingdom, the uh, Greek empire split up into four uh, sections, the Seleucids, the Ptolemy, um, I'm forgetting the other ones, but it's split into four, the Greek empire. And then finally, we have this fourth beast, exceedingly strong with iron teeth, and it stamps all the residue within its feet, and who's known for its iron making and for being you know, the greatest empire ever is the Roman empire. Okay, so these four beasts are meant to represent, this is kind of this historical prophecy regarding the coming of these four beasts, these four kingdoms that are going to come before the coming of the Son of Man. And what do they represent? Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and then finally, the Roman Empire. And then in verse 9, as I looked, thrones were placed, and one, like, one that was ancient of days took his seat. 
His raiment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery, fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. So now God is taking his place. This, this great title of the ancient of days. I, I, I love it. Um, I looked then because of the sound of the great words, which the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, verse 13, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Okay, we got to stop for a second. The <laughs> universal dominion, glory, kingdom, all peoples, nations, and languages shall serve him. Dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And who is this? One like a son of man who comes to the ancient of days. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of these those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of these things. These four beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth concerning the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrible with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, which devoured and broken pieces and stamped the residue, and concerning the ten horns. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints received the kingdom. Then he said, the angel said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms. It shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it into pieces. And then we have one of the horns coming. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, two times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the heavens shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey them. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. And my color changed, but I kept the matter in my mind. Yeah, no wonder, Daniel. <laughs> this is an insane prophecy. Um, there's so much here to unpack, but I'll leave that for part two, which you can find directly under this episode.